always told my mom, I was like, well, I'll quit my job. The worst thing that will happen is my house go to foreclosure and my car will get repossessed. And those things happened. Create your life. 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 Beautiful people, happy, happy Sunday. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. It's one of those amazing days where we have the opportunity to uh, to be blessed just to be here, you know. Um, very, very thankful uh, just to be here on this this earth today. Um, over the past week, before we bring on our amazing guests, I just really want to just catch up. Over the last week, I had the opportunity to uh, travel to Houston um, and actually got to run into today's guest in Houston uh, randomly. Amazing uh, young lady. But while there, also had the opportunity to go and have some conversations with a couple of stations there and, and talk about, um, you know, what we're doing here at the Create Your Life series, some of the amazing guests that we've had the opportunity to have on and was asked about our catalog and, you know, what kind of guests we've had and things like that. And it was just felt so good to be able to, um, to be able to show them our press kit, you know, with these 80 plus episodes that we have now and be able to talk to our experiences of being here, putting on live events and things like that. And so it was very humbling, but at the same time, um, a prideful moment. And so what I want to say to you, Create Your Life Series family is, is definitely never shun away from the work because the work is legitimately what helps us out with our legacy. And while they also had the opportunity to go to uh, Texas Southern University and uh, speak to some of my my uh, my mentor, Raphael Moffitt, who works there, and another good friend, Kavaris, and just have engage in that dialogue and see what opportunities were available there. So it was a really, really good trip, stayed for a couple of days and came back, you know, just so that we could be here and we could do this because, you know, it's all about creating our life. Um, and there have been some other things that have not been so Great going on in this week as well. Uh, one of our dear team members, uh, Michelle, her grandfather, Bill, um, he passed away. He worked in the Air Force. And uh, he was 86 years old, and he left behind his wife of 63 years. Uh, he was, Michelle describes him as a lovable teddy bear with a caring heart. And he leaves behind two sons, uh, three grandkids, and four great-grandchildren. So we're definitely sending our condolences to Michelle's family and uh you know, hoping and praying that they, you know, that they uh, remain strong uh, in this time of, of need for them. Uh, during this past week, I also um, just earlier in the same day had found out, woke up and uh, found out that my brother had been shot and killed um, in the front lawn of one of the uh, homes that I grew up in in California. You know, it was uh, definitely a awakening. I don't know. It was it was a different it was a, a different um, <laughs> type of phone call than I'm, I'm used to, and so I can uh, personally, for my brother, you know, I can personally account for two times where if he didn't make the decisions that he did or told me that I that I couldn't do what I wanted to, I wouldn't be able to stand here in front of you uh, today or be able to talk or you know even have this show. So he definitely saved my life 
a couple of times um, just for me for making stupid decisions. So, you know, I want to say rest in peace to my brother. Um, but I also want to tell you, Create Your Life series uh, family, that life is not promised. And to really live on your own terms, um, go after what it is that you want, go for your wildest dreams, help people on your way to going where you want to go, and also keep a great attitude, you know, that respect for yourself and others. Um, you know, it, it's always important and always, always, like I said earlier uh, in this catch-up episode, do the work yourself. Do the work. Don't shy away from it. Shun not the struggle, for this is God's gift. Be strong. And so when we talk about doing the work, I mean, I feel like that's the embodiment of who today's guest is. She um, has been ranked the top 30 under 30 in Washington, D.C. She's been uh, named one of the future business leaders of America, uh, business person of the year. And she's been nominated for the change maker of the year uh, for her work with financial liter- literacy. So Create Your Life Series family, uh, I'm talking about no one other than Miss Dominique Broadway. Dominique, please say hello to the Create Your Life Series family. Hello, how are you? Uh, doing amazing. Thank you so much for uh, being uh, here on the show today. Thank you for having me. Dom, I got a confession before we even get out, out of here, right? <laughs> okay. So I met you at the, the Entrepreneur Summit in Houston probably back in like May or something like that. Mm-hmm. You were on my list of people to try to recruit as a guest for the show, <laughs> like since like <laughs> early in the year, and I was just like, "Oh snap, that's Dominique Broadway." Beeline, like no, but actually, I think I think you said that after a couple of drinks, you were like, "Hey," so I was like, "Okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. maybe <laughs> not in the creepish way, but a, like a you know what I mean." I was like, "Yo, this is a dope sister," you know what I mean. She's doing some amazing things. I think she would be great to help out. You know, some of the people, you know, who listen to the Create Your Life series, basically the Create Your Life family. So, yeah, yeah, a- I, I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on. <laughs> Okay. Um, So, Dom, uh, just jumping right in, uh, you're a personal finance expert, the money therapist, entrepreneur, trailblazing millennial. Um, So my first question is, how did your love for finance start and who who taught you about it? Yeah, so my love for finance probably started, I I think it probably started with my my love for, for money. And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people say you're not supposed to love money. I'm not saying I'm necessarily in love with money, but I do love what money can provide, you know, ability to create your own life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also the freedom that it provides. And, you know, as a young age, after, you know, talking to my grandfather, who was just always just financially on his stuff, um, and researching and realizing that I wanted to create a life that I could live on my own terms, I realized this when I was probably like 15 or 16, mm. um, is really when that passion for money came. And so I started researching, trying to figure out, like, okay, how are the rich getting richer? Like, <laughs> you know, how are you making money that we aren't making money? And it was through two things. It was through the stock market and real estate. And so essentially what I did was um, try to figure out how to get into one of those professions. And obviously, I was too young to start just buying a bunch of houses. But I did um, decide to start researching um, the stock market and things of that nature. And that's really how, I guess, my kind of my career and love for it kicked off, um, majoring in banking and finance and all those good things and eventually starting my own company, helping people with, with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're a graduate of HBCU, correct? Yes, Bowie State University, BSU. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, so your grandfather, he he had a saying uh, that there were two types of people in the world. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Tell us what, exactly what that was. Mm-hmm. Or is? <laughs> yeah, so every time I see my grandfather, he always says, 
there's two types of people in their world in the world. Who are they? And I'd be like, spenders or savers. And he's like, What are you? And I'd be like, A saver. And like every time I saw him, he made me say this. And after a while I realized, like, you know, as a young age, it's like, okay, this is like a thing me and my grandfather do. Mm-hmm. But after a while I realized that um there really are two different types of people in the world. There are spenders and there are savers. And I was very, um, very I don't know, I guess really persistent about becoming a saver. I didn't want to be a spender because I have family members who are spenders mm-hmm. and I see that they're always paycheck to paycheck. They don't really have anything to show for it. They have things, but you know, things don't make you happy. And then I also would look at somebody who like my grandfather who's a saver who always had the ability to help us or so family members in need. Mm-hmm. Um, also being able to, you know, pay for help pay for my schooling or buy multiple properties. And being able, you know, for him and his family to travel the world if they want to. And I, could, I was able to really see how the life of a spender looks versus mm-hmm. the life of a saver. So I always was really, really adamant on becoming a saver, keeping my expenses low and things like that. How early did you and your grandfather start that mantra, that back and forth? Oh, when I was young. I don't even know, like maybe nine or so. I was young. Who knows? I'm old now, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> so did he, did he put any particular literature in your hand that was kind of like monumental for you getting started on this, you know, on the path that you're in? Not, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, this is interesting. When I realized I was really passionate about finance and I knew I wanted to become a stockbroker and a financial planner, mm-hmm. I went back to my grandfather and said, okay, pop, pop, I, pop, pop. I want to, you know, learn how to start investing in stocks. Mm-hmm. And he was honest. He said, look, I don't know much about it. Mm. I have this thrift savings plan that I contribute to through, um, you know, through my retirement or whatever. You can look at this, but I don't really know a lot about it. And I was after the fact that he was honest. And right. I was able to kind of take his statement and just start, like, researching and understanding on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was really as far as he knew. So I was, you know, kind of the only person I said that really went to the next level to understand the ins and the outs of the stock market and going on to becoming a stockbroker for high net worth clients. You know, working with clients at forty, fifty million dollars in investable assets, which is crazy. Um, and so, I, I just kind of took it to the next step. Mm. And let me ask you this: What are because you you came out uh, working at a major bro- brokerage firms, you know, like UBS Financial, yeah. um, Edelman Financial, mm-hmm. and this we talking about at mm-hmm. twenty one, you, you start yeah. doing this. You know, <laughs> you focusing on these high net worth clients. Did you see a lot of honesty in them? I'm looking for this trend because your grandfather was so honest and transparent mm. with you. Did you see that in those clients too? Yeah. As far as what they knew and didn't um, know? The one thing that I noticed amongst, like, my grandfather, mm-hmm. you know, you see him, he, he's the kind of guy that, you know, I swear his favorite shirt is just, I used to be like, okay, so in college I used to also do liquor promotions. I was all about making money, right? Mm-hmm. And I got him this shirt. It was a McAllen shirt, you know, the, the whiskey or whatever. Yep. Um, and I swear, every time I see him, he has this shirt on. This mm-hmm. guy has more than enough money to buy shirts. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting because I see my grandfather, he has, like, these New Balances, these jeans, and might be Wrangler and a T-shirt. You know, the calmest, the dressed guy ever. Our clients who were multi-millionaires, similar attire, mm-hmm. right? Every now and then they come in dressed to the T, but they will pull up in a Honda, but they have, you know, $15 million in a bank account. Right. And so I would see, I don't know if it's necessarily honesty, but I definitely could see those similar traits mm-hmm. um, in favor. Maybe obviously every now and then somebody may pull up in a Bentley or whatever, you know, things like that. Whatever your personal taste is. But I did notice that a lot of those traits were, were very similar to people who are frugal and looking to build more generational wealth and longer-term wealth to just than just like, you know, I can ball out this weekend. Right. <laughs> what would you say were some of the major takeaways that you took from working 
uh, of course, from being under your grandfather, but also from working with these uh, high network and net worth individuals um, such so intimately in managing their finances? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is how, like I said, how they always kept their expenses really low. Mm. Um, you know, these people would literally just, they just don't waste money. You know what I mean? They're not out here overspending. They're not paycheck to paycheck, obviously. Um, and just the key that, I mean, I've met with a lot of multimillionaires and you know, I always ask them, like, how did you do this? And they're like, you know, always keeping your expenses low. And it's something I always did from, like, buying my first house at 22 mm-hmm. based on my salary at 22, which was probably only $45,000 or something of that nature, um, and keeping my expenses that amount. You know, keeping my expenses to my 40 or $45,000 salary even now, 10 years later, and I don't make anywhere near that. And so I've always kept my expenses near that because it's allowed me, as my income has gone up, mm-hmm. that my savings and investing has gone up, not my spending. And so most people, as their income goes up, their spending Expenses goes up. Grow. Right. And I want it to be opposite. And that was like one of the biggest things I learned from those from from working with multimillionaires. And also tactics to build generational wealth through mm. life insurance and other things of that nature are like the biggest things that that I was able to take away. And have been able to implement in my own life, which is which is such a blessing. Yeah. So to me, what I'm hearing from you is you practice what you preach, and I love I try. that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So what are what are some of those tactics um, to building generational wealth uh, that you learned? Can you share maybe you know three to five of those with us? Yeah, I think so. Like I said, one of the biggest things is honestly being spending spending way less than what you're bringing in, mm-hmm. because if you spend less than what you bring in, it gives you the extra money to start investing to start saving for college for, for your kids or for my situation. I don't have kids, but I have a 529 for my sister, 529 mm-hmm. college savings plan that I have with my sister that I've had for probably, when she's 16, I probably have had it for the past, like, 10 years since I had my first job. So I'm saving for her to go to college, and she don't even know, right? right. Um, in addition to having those life insurance policies, where I have life insurance on myself, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, whoever. So even if I croaked over tomorrow, you know, there's a little over a million dollars that they can, that my family can use to, to continue that generational wealth on. This is before I even have a husband or kids. Right. Um, and also because that's a really easy way to, to pass wealth from generation to generation tax-free. Um, in addition to real estate, like I said, I bought my first house at 22. And so I'm actually in the process of selling it now. But from that, you know, it's almost like I have so much equity in my house now. It's kind of like the, the rent that technically would have been paid for the past 10 years when you're living in this, in this condo, I'm getting back, right? And so those are all just different tactics where, you know, I'm letting my money work for me instead of just constantly throwing it away. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, and that's and I'm not a multimillionaire, so that's just like like my basic <laughs> basic stuff that I'm doing that I'm trying to implementing from what I've learned. So yeah, well, I think it's important to stick to a strategy, you know, and, and yeah. to definitely you know to have one. And it sounds to me like you have a really really solid game plan, and to me that that's what makes the the difference between the haves and the haves not or the wealthy and the not non wealthy. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. So what was it that helped you? Like, what was your process to becoming an entrepreneur, you know, after you were working uh, at these different financial uh, brokerage firms and and being a broker? Hmm. It was, what was the strategy? Uh, God, probably. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I didn't have, like, a lot of these people are like, oh, you know, I was working this job and then I 
turn a side business. It wasn't like that. I literally just quit my job, literally. So mm-hmm. I quit my job. I was working at my mentor's firm, and the goal was for me to, you know, kind of take over his firm as, you know, as he got older. Mm-hmm. Perfect ideal, like his ideal situation for a financial planner. He's a mm-hmm. he was, um, you know, African American man coming in, taking over his firm. It was perfect. Um, but after being there for about five months, it's just like one day I was just, well, many days I said, man, I'm supposed to be doing something else, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate. We were mm-hmm. sitting in a job every day. You're just like, I know I'm supposed to be doing something else. I'm supposed to be doing something bigger. I just didn't know what it was. So I pretty much just went to my manager, the owner of the company, and told me I wanted to quit. I quit. And then um, basically took a few months to try to figure out what I wanted to do. Try mm-hmm. my hand in a couple of different businesses and realized at the end of the day that I really wanted to be in personal finance. But I realized that I couldn't be in personal finance the way I wanted to with these firms because they weren't allowing me to work with the people that I wanted to work with. And I wanted to work with people who were like me that -hmm. didn't have millions and millions of dollars but still wanted access to financial information and guidance and things like that. So at the end of the summer, I'm riding in my car. Um, There was an advertisement for an event called For Sisters Only. Mm -hmm. I called and I said, you know, this is going to be the perfect time for me to start my company. I called them, got a booth. It was $1,000 for the booth, which I would never pay that much now. But (laughs) I paid $1,000 for the booth. Um, and called actually the guy who did it at the time said, Look, I'm starting this company. Can you help me make you know some website things like that? Because he had a graphic design company, right? And uh, he helped me make a website, business cards, banner, and literally launched my company a week later. I had about wow. 95 people that signed up to become clients, and I made a third of them clients. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but for me, it was huge. Right. <laughs> I just started the week before, and it showed me that there was interest. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, those aren't big numbers, but from there. You know, just my, my work and the stuff that I was doing just started being noticed. And um, that's how I started winning so many awards. And, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, this girl's talking about personal finance. It's like, oh, this girl who was a licensed stockbroker has, you know, started this company dedicating her life to millennials and things like that. So that's pretty much how the path or journey kind of started off and picked off. Before you uh, you jumped out and said, okay, you know what, I'm going to quit. Did you have any, any for those out there, in the, you know, who are listening, did you have any money saved up, you know what I mean? And for how long could you it have is. lived off of your expenses and stuff like that? Because some people are just going to be like, oh, you know what, Dominique just quit. So I'm going to do that tomorrow. And then yeah. they don't have, you know, they, they're missing the backstory and the, the work part of it. So Yeah. So what I did was I had about a year's work for my salary saved. Got you. Um, and I had been working for, for you know, maybe five years at the time. But I remember I said I was always a very, very aggressive saver. Mm-hmm. So when I got my condo, you know, I was still driving a 93 Mercedes, okay? <laughs> like, and I drove that car literally until I had a fire under the hood. And wow. my mechanic was like, Dominique, you can't drive this car anymore. <laughs> and so for me, it was like that car payment and things like that. I was saving for years and years and years, and, you know, in addition to other things. So mm-hmm. I kept my expenses really low. And my biggest expense was pretty much just my, my mortgage and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, had to buy a car later on, like I said, because of the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had kept my expenses bare minimum mm-hmm. while I was working. So by the time I, I was able to quit, um, the money was there. You know what I mean? So I had about a year's worth of my pay saved. But I did, after I quit my job, about a month and a half, well, a month, like a year and a half in, mm-hmm. I went broke. And that's because... Mm-hmm. I wasn't charging enough for my services. That's a whole other story. Mm. But I did end up going broke. And so I had to kind of rebound from that as well um, because I hadn't been broke before, <laughs> to be right. honest. I like, I'd always been so good with my money, but I was so passionate about my company and passionate about helping people, mm-hmm. I wasn't charging enough. And so my own finances took a hit. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> and from that, you know, it was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> like, it was crazy. Um, then I was mad with God and, like, you know, all this is angry. Mm. And what I realized is that, um, you know, when you look back on it, it was a blessing in disguise because it gave me the ability to learn a lot of financial things that I hadn't learned before. Like, how do you get your house out of foreclosure? You know, when your car is about to be repossessed, what do you do? You know, when you're, you're behind in all your payments, what do you do? How do you increase your credit score? These are all things I went through, mm. right? And so, I, did, I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. And so at the moment, I'm like, God, why are you doing this to me? You told me to quit my job and start this company. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like I said, looking back on it now, it was all a blessing in disguise. I was able to learn way more than I learned in school just by going to those life experiences. And I'm actually able to help my clients and provide more services now because I've been through that so I can help people get through it. So it also made it more relatable. Um, so that's a lot of times the other things about business that people don't see <laughs> is, is the setback that you have as an entrepreneur. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So Dom, how did you, how did you overcome that? Right. Cause oftentimes that's a huge blow, right? Cause some people might look mm-hmm. at that as failure. So how did you overcome that blow? Kind of sometimes even a shock to the ego. Like I can't believe this has happened. How did you make it through that and then bounce back? hard it was really hard I mean I've probably never felt so low in my entire life where I'm literally having clients calling me saying oh my gosh you know thanks for your help I paid off my credit card debt I'm buying my first house and blah 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 and I'm over here you know struggling (laughs) to make my ends meet right and so it was hard it was really hard to the ego but for me it was a lot of prayer I mean I was just praying all the time because I knew this was what I was supposed to be doing I had no doubt in my mind this is what I was supposed to be doing I just needed to restructure things. I needed to start thinking about my business as a business and not a passion project. Right. And Absolutely. so once I stopped doing that, you mm-hmm. know, I had to go to back to my grandfather. Honestly, I went right. to my grandfather and I told him, and I told him, I said, look, I messed up, Papa. Like, <laughs> I really messed up. And you know what he did? He turned into my financial planner. He sat down with me and did the exact same things that I do for people. Mm. He pulled out all my bills, all my debt and everything. And he helped me create a plan. To, to work all this out and I was able to but it was interesting because I had to go I had to go to somebody else to get help with what I do other people do for other people and he told me he said look you can't help yourself because you're so busy helping everybody else right. I'm gonna help you right we just gonna sit down and go through this and mm-hmm. so really helping him and being honest and being you know it's it's hard to ask for help mm-hmm. especially as an entrepreneur I'm Aquarius like I independent woman like <laughs> I can do everything on my own it was really hard for me to go back ask for help admit that I messed up Right. Um, but that was the big thing that helped in addition to, uh, like I said, praying mm-hmm. and um, also being very transparent with not just my family, but also with my friends. Yeah. I was very transparent with my friends about what I was going through. Mm. And um, that actually helped, too, because a lot of them were going through similar things. Wow. Some were able to provide me advice. Some were able Support. to provide me guidance. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another area that people are, you know, when they're going through stuff, they don't want to say it. They don't want to like look, girl, I can't pay my car, whatever. They don't want to say that. And I started telling my friends, and it just really helped create a lot of safe zones for me where I no longer felt like it was me going through this stuff by myself. Very, very important. We have a saying over here, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. And if you're not sharpening, then you're rusting. Yeah, so true. Yeah, that transparency, you know, that we definitely even here just on the team uh, of the show you know what I mean we talk about mm-hmm. what's going on with, with each other and just have those doors open to make sure that we can always you know be able to support so it sounds to me like that that peer group is something that is and of course mentorship has been a couple things that have really been uh, huge for you 
our Hi, end journey. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we are here with Miss Dominique Broadway. Dominique, are you here? I am. Oh, cool, cool. Glad to have you. Um, Dominique, before we left, you were talking about um, how important mentorship and friendship was and you making it through some of your times of hardship. Um, Mm -hmm. So today, what does your peer group look like? And uh, do you have friends for different type of environments, things like that? Or does everybody that rolls with you who is your friend, they can basically navigate all uh, circles and aspects of life with you? Yeah, I have, like, amazing friends. Like, God God has really blessed me. I have, um, you know, I have entrepreneurial friends. I have friends that are, you know, navigating corporate America and all these different spaces. And um, I have even a group. Uh, there's four of us in a group. And we're a mastermind group. We meet every two weeks virtually. We actually all just met up in, uh, in New Orleans and um, for, like, an in-person session. But we meet up and just make sure we're all getting our stuff done. Um, all, you know, just killing it in their respective businesses. And, you know, one has like a, a credit repair company. One has like a women's empowerment company. One has like a, um, what do you call it? Like a, like a staffing and kind of growth type of company and everyone's killing it in their respective space. And so, you know, for, for us, it's making sure that we're holding each other accountable to reach these goals so that we can, you know, some already at, you know, two, three, four million a year in business. I'm not there yet but trying to get all of us to that respective point. And so um, that really helps a lot. And also just having people who understand what you're going through. Because I know that when I first started my company and when I would have like issues or trials and stuff like that, when I would talk to my friends who had like, you know, just a typical or just a regular nine to five, um, they were like, just quit, just go back to work, you know? And that's not what I needed. I need somebody to tell me to keep going. And so um, I really value all of my, my entrepreneurial friends and, and friends that I have in just all unique spaces and in various industries. No, absolutely. It makes sense. You know, that accountability um, group always, man, just makes a huge, 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 huge difference. And so with your company, uh, Finances mm-hmm. Demystified, you speak at universities, major corporations and nonprofits. How did you actually yeah. break in to getting, you know, these type of contracts and, you know, this type of business? going from where you were just had those first 90 clients going broke, you know what I mean? And then building up that confidence to jump out there. Yeah. Um, I would say um, it was interesting. So I first kind of just started out um, just speaking for free, right? And then Mm -hmm. after a while, someone was kind of like, you know, you can charge this. And I was like, really? (laughs) So um, I started charging. And the cool thing is, like, you never know who's listening mm-hmm. to an interview. You never know who's watching your videos on YouTube. You never know who's watching, you know, who's in the audience. Every time I'm, I do a speaking engagement, I must be doing a decent job because I always end up getting <laughs> some other gig out of it. Absolutely. And so I did close about 48 or 49 speaking engagements just last year um, with about probably 90% of them being paid, which is, which is awesome, which is amazing for me being that I didn't start my company to do that, you know? Um, and so for me, it was just getting out there and speaking for free. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't want to do that, but I started out speaking for free and then it kind of just grew to, can you come speak here? Can you come speak there? And then, you know, going to you know other countries and speaking, it was like, wow, this is really happening. So it wasn't something that was intentional. It was something that just, just happened, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just started with me doing it for free. 
Awesome. With you, you have, you know, I would say kind of, you know, high profile. So I'm pretty sure people always come to you with these different opportunities and these different ideas of things that you should do that would be great for your business. How do you discern what you should and shouldn't be doing um, and what's in your best interest? Yes, Lord. Oh, my gosh. My info email, my info inbox is loaded all the time. Um, I think for me, I always go with my gut. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I get an email. It's like professionalism, right? Some people say an email, you're just like, did you even try to draft this email? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, so this, a lot of times it's, it's that I'm looking for like incorrect spellings and things like that before I even respond. Because mm-hmm. um, if you didn't take the time to carefully craft your email and make sure it like one sounds, makes sense, um, this the spelling is correct. I mean, come on, there's spell check nowadays. Like there's no reason to be having an email full of negative spellings also reading things over and going with with my gut to Mm -hmm. kind of make a decision if if this is something that I want to do or not. Um, So that for me has been, has been the biggest thing. And also, also making sure that they align with my brand. I I get a lot of um, sponsorship opportunities from companies that just don't align with my brand at all. And I'm not going to put something in front of my following that that I don't necessarily believe in. You know what I mean? So that's a big thing as well. Yeah. So, the only thing that I have to say about that, <laughs> my typo game is strong, like legit, <laughs> especially in text messages. You know, sometimes I go back and read and I'll just be like, wow, dude, did you really send that? So, yeah, I definitely, I'm good I feel, for him to hit the little asterisk, like my bad, I meant blah, blah, blah. He's like, I know what you mean. I'm like, I just want you to know I ain't dumb out here. So. Right, right. I actually do got some sense just a little bit, but you know what yeah. it happened was. <laughs> Um, Dom, one of the things, one tool that you recommend uh, to help with saving mm-hmm. is an app called Digit. Uh, of the many apps yeah. available in the app marketing world, why do you recommend this one specifically? I like Digit. This is great. Um, there's a couple apps I, I really love, and there's so many coming out, so that's why it changes. Mm-hmm. Digit is great because uh, it helps you save automatically, mm-hmm. um, which is which is awesome. Um, the one thing about them is they did just start charging like this two ninety nine a month fee, so I honestly kind of ditched them. Mm-hmm. Um, it switched to Dobot. <laughs> so Dobot is another app that does a similar thing where it actually saves for you automatically into a savings account. Um, but there's another app I'm also in love with if you're interested in starting to invest mm-hmm. but don't have, you know, hundreds, hundreds or, or thousands or even hundreds or, you know, to start investing mm-hmm. uh, called Acorn. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're one of my favorite, favorite apps. Um, and they round up your purchases and take your, the difference in, um, uh, actually investing into the stock market for you, which is great. So you can start investing for a couple of dollars. Um, so I'm using pretty much Doba and uh, Acorns for just helping to invest extra change or right. for people to for them money out of my account that I don't have to see. <laughs> Makes sense. How do you spell Dobot for those who are out there and not familiar? Yeah, it's just D O B O T, and the other one Acorns is A C O R N S. Okay. Awesome. You know, I want to go back a little bit because you touched on something that I thought was really important, especially for people who are mm-hmm. being entrepreneurs. Sometimes you have this passion project going or that's how you're looking at it and you need mm-hmm. to be looking at a business. Mm-hmm. How did you um, basically get your mindset right and get your pricing right? How did you figure out how to price appropriately so that you can make sure that you're running a sustainable business? Yeah, so for me, it was taking a step back and looking at my pricing and looking at the time that I was spending with mm. each client. So what I did was kind of look back at my revenue for the past year mm-hmm. and was able to look, based on that, kind of just uh, decipher how much time I was spending on each client. And from that, I was able to adequately adjust my pricing and mm-hmm. then also realize that I love my one-on-one clients. You guys are great if you're listening. 
but I much prefer to do a lot of group work because with my one-on-one clients, um, one, it's very hard to scale. And two, um, I get really invested in their lives, like really, really invested in their lives. Right. And so for me, it was like, what can I do to kind of create more passive income? So I started putting a lot of things in place um, to create passive income, such as my ongoing uh, financial coaching programs and new programs I'm actually launching this year as well, okay. the next couple of weeks. What's it called? Um, and, um, well, it's, well, it's going to be called kind of like the Millennial Wealth Builders Group where you can actually get in and kind of get that financial planning and coach, coaching for uh, the price of a gym membership. So you're still getting what feels like one-on-one mm-hmm. at accountability. You have to, you know, send me pictures to see your savings account and things like that, but at a more affordable price, a, a lower entry point, I would say, than my one-on-one clients. So things like that have helped to, um, you know, stabilize my income over the past few years, but also to provide our services to more people. Um, so that's really been the bigger mission um, mm-hmm. uh, for me as well, so. Okay. And where can uh, we go in order to uh, to sign up or, you know, get on the, what is it, the pre the pre list, the early the list? Yeah. So definitely signing up to um, the, we're going to the website, DominicBarber.com, mm-hmm. getting on the email list or even joining our Millennial Wealth Builders group, uh, which is a, a free online Facebook group. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to get um, access to that program first. Mm-hmm. And we're only going to accept Probably we're thinking like 20 people to kick it off because mm-hmm. we want to really test out and kind of do a beta um, just to make sure we can provide the service that we're promising. Absolutely. And so it's going to be, it's definitely be first time, first time. So I would definitely say sign up because I already actually have a wait list already going nice. to people who are like, I want this. Right. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how to do that. Okay. What would you say is one of the number one kitchen table uh, money issue that's least discussed that really needs to be though? Um, I would say money in general mm. is bad. I think the topic of money is not discussed at all. There's no specific topic like credit or savings or any in general. People will talk about sex before they'll talk about, like, sex and STDs, literally, sadly, before they'll talk about um, money. And Mm so I think that in general, you know, another big passion of mine is to provoke the conversation of money. And so, um, yeah, I just think that money in general isn't talked about. But I remember I had an event a couple years ago. And um, it was two ladies that had drove to the, drove together to my event. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we had to do was kind of share, like, a financial thing that we're dealing with that we need guided by. And the interesting thing is the person that was able to provide her the help that she needed actually rode with her to the event. They had never talked about money together, mm-hmm. even though they were best friends. And so it just really shows how a lot of times that we start talking about money more, mm-hmm. um, you'd be surprised. The person that can help you is probably a phone call away. And so a lot of times we suffer in silence unnecessarily um, because we're ashamed of what we're going through. Mm. That's, that's deep. And speaking of the power of friendship and, and, and partnering, you know, and somebody else having the answers there uh, for you, you're actually mm-hmm. a part of Angel Rich's company. She was just previously a guest on the show, um, her company, Wealthy Life. So what has your experience mm-hmm. been working there uh, in the C-suite and also, of course, in the C-suite running your own company? Yeah, so that was really interesting. I've actually known Angel for a few years now. Someone connected us mm-hmm. and was basically like, you guys need to know each other. <laughs> You're both super passionate about personal finance. And so I had a goal this year to get into the financial technology space. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just really random that, you know, Angel was really looking for somebody to help in the chief strategy officer role. And I said, well, hey, I'm at a good point in my business. You know, I can, you know, I would definitely love to join on. So it's been really interesting um, as we're, raising money 
mm-hmm. um, traveling back and forth to Boston. We spent an accelerator program there, mm-hmm. um, but also launching our app this past August, which mm-hmm. hit 250,000 downloads in the first two weeks, which was crazy. Yeah, credit um, stacker, so right? <laughs> yeah, credit, credit stacker. That. So create your life family, go out and uh, go to your, your Android market or, as well as your iOS store, your Apple store. IOS, mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, download credit stacker. I, I've played it. It's like Candy Crush for smart people. And financial people. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of addictive, which is funny. So for me, you know, like I said, I knew I wanted to be in the financial technology space. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's another wealth building strategy for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew I wanted to be in that space, have equity in a company. And so I thought it was a great opportunity. Awesome. So how do you, how do you, with doing all of these things, how do you balance work in your personal life? hard honestly <laughs> I don't think it's that hard the, the cool thing about entrepreneurs you manage your own time right so I make time for what I want to make time for mm-hmm. um, and I can accept or reject any opportunity that's going to take too much of my time mm-hmm. so <laughs> excuse me that pretty much has been how it how it's been for me so I haven't had I haven't had a big issue with it I feel like it's probably easier for me mm-hmm. versus someone that has a mind to five Gotcha. Because of that flexibility. So you would say that the key to what to you managing and balancing the both is maybe time management? Yeah, I agree. Time management and having a really good team mm-hmm. <laughs> that works with me, which really helps because I can't do it all on my own. Right. I, so I have a great team that works for my company, Finances Just Buy. How, how big really is your help team? just to kind of keep everything together. How big is your team? So there's two people that mm-hmm. work for me part-time. Okay. Almost full time. <laughs> They're kind of full time. They don't know, but yeah, two that part time. Okay, and uh, if you don't mind me asking, in what capacities do these two people work for you uh, at your company? Yeah, so I have one that's more of my kind of like assistant slash project manager, and I have another that pretty much just does all my visual and graphic design stuff. Mm. Um, and as me having a, I don't know if it's necessarily an online company, but. I guess all of our companies are online. Right. Visuals and graphics are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have one person that pretty much just does all that. They run social media. Mm. Awesome. So, Dom, w- w- with all of this experience, of course, being in the entrepreneurial space, has there been uh, one particular book that has stu- stood out to you? Like, what's your favorite book or something that was just life-changing for you uh, that you've read? Um... I would have to say a few years, well, a long time ago, I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad mm. and loved it and talking about the rat race. And it really hit home for me because I was always so scared of being part of the rat race. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like that book just really gave me more of a strategy to not be a part of the rat race instead of just saying, I don't want to be a part of the rat race, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What um, what would you say was one of your defining moments that really helped you to uh, get on this path and, and stay the course so far? Um, defining moment. I think probably, I don't know, multiple things. I think to get me on the path mm-hmm. was probably as a child because my mom and my stepfather and my dad were all entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and they had so much flexibility with their time where, you know, if we woke up, if we all woke up late on a Tuesday morning 
and they had to go to the office late, and I mean, I had to go to school late or whatever, it wasn't a big deal. There was, in our house, there was never a mad, ugly rush in the morning. And I really loved and appreciated that. And I knew I wanted that same lifestyle. Um, but I would say once I started my company, the thing that kept me going is like a lot of my followers and like people that I work with, like, cause there was plenty of days where I'm like, this is too much work. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm working all the day on time. I could totally go into the work of any company and make all the money I need. Cause I made really good money before, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then talking to someone that's like, Oh my gosh, like, you literally changed my financial situation or whatever. Like that's the things that have really kept me, kept me going in, in, in those previous years when I really wanted to give up. So I would say a combination of both. Okay. Awesome. What, what would you say is one of your, your favorite quote? My favorite quote is, I claim it. I don't know if I came up with it, but it's, um, <laughs> it's called, it's don't fear failure, fear regret. And I, I don't know where I heard this, came up with it, but I just know that, like, I remember reading, like, this article about this person who, um, like, an older person and, like, on their deathbed, they're, like, 100 years old or 99 or something crazy. And he was filled with regret. Things that he wished he had done, places he wished he had traveled, businesses he wished he had started. And I always just told myself that I don't want to be that person. So if I want to help pop up and move to a new city, or if I want to decide I want to travel to Bora Bora tomorrow, I'm going to do it. Because I don't want to look back and say, I wish I had done X, Y, and Z. And so that's why we like that quote, don't fear failure, fear regret. I love it. That's, to me, the epitome of, of creating your life. You just got to jump out the window sometimes it is. and just do that's it. I love the name, <laughs> the name of your star one. Perfect. Create your own life. <laughs> yeah. Nah. I mean, live, live it, you know. I always, I always think yeah. back to that. Um, I think it was the the founder of Amazon. He mm-hmm. had, he had something. Uh, I think it's Jeff Bezos. He was like, you know, yeah. when he's eighty, ninety years old, what is he going to look back and tell himself about his journey mm-hmm. and experiences that he had? And it's just, you know what I mean. Like, what are you embodying, and what is that legacy that you've created? It's yeah. just super important. Um. What what are what are three things that you would tell someone who are looking to create their best life right now? Um, three things. I don't know, three. I would say just really take the time and figure out what do you want your life to look like. I think people don't take the time to do that. I know when I started my life or whatever you want to call it, I definitely was like, well, what do my life to look like? Well, I know I don't want to be in an office every day. I know I want to travel. I want to have the financial resources to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So what kind of like, what type of company or what do I need to build that will give me the financial resources to do these types of things? Mm-hmm. And I think people don't take the time to do that. Like they feel like they have to go to school and get this degree and get this job and live this life and then get married, have a baby and, you know, die. Right. Right. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way. Like you really can live your own life. And so for me, I took the time to figure out what life I wanted and how can I create that life for myself? Um, and I think people don't take that time to say, like, what do you want your ideal day to look like? Do you want to wake up and go to yoga? Do you want to wake up and drop your baby off at school? Do you want to wake up and um, be on a beach? And what does that look like for you? And I took the time and did that activity. And it made me realize that I don't want to be in the same place every day. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple weeks in a row, but not every single day. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, And so I think for me, it really helped me to define my life and define what I needed to create that lifestyle that I desired. Mm. I love it. Did you have any, uh, any other tips for us? 
uh, as far as creating your best life? <clears throat> I mean, that was a huge one. Um, yeah, I think I think just don't be scared. Like, don't be like, don't be scared of failing because you're gonna mm-hmm. fail. Yeah. And when I started my company, I always told my mom, I was like, well, I'll quit my job. The worst thing that will happen is my house go to foreclosure, and my car will get repossessed, and those things happened. <laughs> right. They literally happened. But you lived but through it. I didn't it. lose my car, and I didn't lose my house. I still have all these things, right? mm-hmm. and I lived through it. It happened, but I, I got out of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And even when it happened, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It didn't kill me. Mm-hmm. I was still the same Dominique. You know what I mean? And so for me, those are my worst case scenarios, and my worst case scenarios happened. Mm-hmm. The worst case scenario is death, but at least you know, depending on your spiritual beliefs, at least I go to heaven. But outside of that, those are my worst case scenarios, right? <laughs> so they happen, and I didn't die. And so for me, that removed all fear from my life. Okay. All fear. Love it. Um, yeah. Well, Dom, we got one more question for you. That is, uh, okay. this is actually a new question that I've been pressured into doing uh, by my team. They want me <laughs> to be more transparent. So you actually. Get to ask me any candid question right Ooh. now, and I have to answer. <laughs> this is called the hot seat. So, yeah. Okay, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. What do you feel mm-hmm. has been your biggest failure or low point in life so far, and mm-hmm. what did you do to come out of it? Ugh. Biggest failure? I told you mine. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm trying to think. Um I wouldn't call it a failure, but it was probably the most Mm -hmm. challenging point is um, I graduated from college and I graduated like in the top 10 percent of my business and fashion class. And I came to New York, had become homeless and uh, because I couldn't find a job and I had to become a janitor. And at this point, I, you know, I didn't know much about being a janitor, but I was I was there. And this was the only job I could find. And so I literally cleaned up pee and throw up and everything else. It was like kind of like, you know, teachers were giving me a really, really hard time. And I was kind of like, man, I'm smarter than most (laughs) of you. Right. And I had to endure that for a year um, in order to get back on my feet because I was sleeping on a train and sleeping outside at that point. And afterwards, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I actually went through like a year of depression after that. And it was really, really tough to climb out of it. And what really helped me is one of my mentors really, really like sat with me on a daily basis and just talked and just allowed me to grow and evolve out of it. But it was a really tough time mentally. And also coming from where I come from, I just knew that there was no turning back, which is the reason why I endured all of that in the first place. And so I would have mm-hmm. to say the environment that I grew up in definitely helped me to push and keep going forward. So that was definitely probably the most challenging um, aspect. But I, it also taught me humility and to appreciate and respect everyone for what it is that they do, no matter how big or small. So I always respect anyone, no matter what their occupation was. I mean, is. Agreed. So I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> no, I think that's good. But I think a lot of times, you know, entrepreneurs or people that are looked at in these certain lights or whatever, mm-hmm. it always looks like it's this, you know, what do you call it, a uh, sparkly road to, to the top, right? Mm-hmm. And most people have gone through these things. They've had these extremely low moments where they're dealing with, you know, just being broke, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, feeling down about yourself, being depressed. 
mm-hmm. you know, stopping and saying, how did I get here? Everything on paper says I'm supposed to be here, but I'm there, you know? Right. And I think for a lot of people, they need to realize is that most people have gone through those things. The issue is a lot of people don't talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. And that's why I definitely try to talk about it. So I appreciate it. I'm just saying my show. But I appreciate you sharing that because it's major. And, I mean, I've traveled around and met people who have literally been in that same point. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm like, well, I want to be your mentor and help you out of this because you don't deserve to be here. Right. You know what I mean? And oh, absolutely. Think, um, but, like you said, all those things, I was talking to my friend, actually, Tanya, mm-hmm. Tanya Rapley of uh, My Fed Finance, and we were talking about some things. She said, you know, it's either going to be a blessing or a beautiful lesson. Right. I said, well, look about it that way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things in life are beautiful lessons. So, Hopefully you got a lot out of your beautiful lesson as well. Okay. No, absolutely, Dom. And one of the other things that I learned too during that time was I used to, I had a vision board and I used to be looking at my vision board like, man, why am I not there? Why am I not like these guys who are on my vision board? And my mentor said mm-hmm. to me, she said, when you have a vision board, you're looking at the finished product. She said that you're not, you're not talking about the 10 to 10 years that these people spent in the basement or the failures and things like that. You're only looking at the finished product. So that's why that's what really inspired the Create Your Life series in itself is that I wanted to show the behind the scenes of what it is that makes a Dominique Broadway successful. Right. That you have a team that, you know, you're you you have this successful network of people. You've had these hardships and experiences, those downtimes, because we, we basically a great life demystified over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got finances demystified. We just it's, it's all persistency <laughs> and consistency, yeah. and that's a lot of people don't they don't want to do. You yeah. know, it's it's a lot of sacrifice too. Yeah. A lot of sacrifice. it's hard to do the work. Yeah. Um, so Dom, how can we stay in contact with you? You know, how can the Create Your Life series uh, family stay? Man, just stay in contact with you. Yeah. So website dominicebroadway.com. Um, mm-hmm. Dominic Broadway on Instagram. Facebook, and then Twitter, I'm actually MS Finance Coach, MS Finance Coach. Let me change that soon, but it's MS Finance Coach. But super easy to find if, if we can help with anything. And I thank you again, Kevin, and your team for, for having me. It's, it's been great. No, absolutely. Always a pleasure, Dom. And, you know, we'll we'll be in contact. I'm definitely, uh, I'll be out in the H-Town sometime soon. So uh, thank you for being on and, you know, enjoy your Sunday. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. Okay. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. You better create your life. Create your life. Create your life.